Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. This podcast is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. In Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. This week's segment starts out with Dan Johnson talking about finesse fishing versus power fishing. Listen to this, you're gonna learn something. Then back to the program, Dale Bowman, Chicago Sun-Times outdoor writer, talks about all the opportunities we have in the Midwest. Uh, Chicago area has a lot of outdoor opportunities, a lot of fishing opportunities. Listen to this segment. And then Trey McKinney, 2024 Bassmaster Elite qualifier. We're going to talk to Trey about his approach to the Bassmaster Elites. He's 18 years old. He'll be 19 by the time he fishes the first one. And we're going to listen to how he's going to attack these tournaments and hopefully win some. But first, this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I'd like to welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. I am glad to hear that. This week, we're going to talk about uh, a style of fishing, finesse versus power, and why we need to do both. I mean, it's, a, it's important. It used to be the good old boys of the bass world wouldn't even touch a spinning rod, but you can't do that now anymore, can you? No, you really can't. And forward-facing sonar, to be quite honest with you, has totally changed my whole philosophy on this. And, you know, and first of all, we should define it. You know, uh, power fishing is covering a ton of water. Trolling motor's on and you're going. It works great. Uh, finesse fishing, what you're what you're implying by that is snow, slowing down and really pounding something uh, in an area, maybe changing a bunch of different baits and so forth. And back to the first point I made, if I see them absolutely loaded up, um, I'm not as likely to blow by them now as I was in the past because they're there. Now it could, it certainly could be a time of day deal, but it, it's a lot of times something I'm doing. And if, if you can make multiple changes or change your angle, especially if you're in current, throw it, give them a different look, um, something, and you get them to fire. You'll hear anglers talk about that. And this is all species, but especially bass and certain, certain uh, spotted bass and smallmouth are really this way. If you catch one, sometimes you can light the whole school up. So the challenge is getting that first bite. Um, so I think that it's really important to understand both absolutely work and you need to be adept at both, but there's, there's times where you do both at the same time. For example, if I'm flying down a pea gravel bank and my trolling motor's on, I'm throwing a square bill and I'm just covering water. My trolling motor's on five, but if I come to a laydown, it's perfect on that bank. I might slow down and finesse fish just that and then keep right on going if that makes sense. So it, it's a lot of times it's mixing it up, um, but it's something we need, we need to be adept at doing both, especially in rising water. Like if you get water that comes up into vegetation and those fish get spread out, but they're up shallow feeding, very rarely do I finesse fish at all that day. I'll have a spinnerbait or a topwater run. I'm covering water all day because the lake size just increased and they're all up spread out feeding. And then it's just a matter of getting it, getting it in front of their face. 
It is. And you said something about stopping and fishing a laydown. I have customers that come into my retail store and they say, why do the bass guys have 10 or 12 or 20 rods on the deck? It's so you can make that. Sometimes it's just one cast at a piece of cover or a stick up or a dock, but many times it's two or three casts, but they got that rod is there. It's handy. If you have to go and get it or stop and tie on a bait, you're not going to do it. And a lot of times that one cast teaches you something and you can look for the same areas and establish a pattern by that, can't you? Well, and you can pull up on a laydown and let's say you've got a laydown, but it's covered with grass. So there's about six different, there's 16 different ways you can fish that one laydown and one of them might get the bite. Yep. So that's, you know, it, a lot of it is just the tool for the trade. And it's not necessarily you pull up on every laydown that works for a spinnerbait if, it, if it's covered with mats around it, for example. You know, and, you know, to the topic of finesse fishing, I think finesse fishing, at least for me, uh, if I really want to slow down and really work something hard, number one is to get them to fire if I see them in front of me, obviously. But also, it's a lot of that's dictated by the conditions. You know, if I have a cold front or a falling barometer or cold, dirty water on a target is probably the number one example. If there's a target in a great spot, but it's a cold front, and I know that fish is sucked right up to it, it does not want to bite. I might throw 15 casts to that area and a four or five to the exact same spot. And sometimes you can get that fish to bite. So a lot of that to me anyway, is conditions related. Number one, I either see them forward facing totally change that for me. Um, or it's, it's the conditions and I know they're not their strike zone. You know, obviously for those uh, listeners out there that haven't heard that term, if they're not willing to go get it very far, then you really need to slow down and dial it in and just pound an area, especially a, a high percentage area. Absolutely. And I think what the listeners really need to listen, uh, get out of what you just said is power fishing is much faster in most cases than finesse fishing. Finesse fishing, you're slowing down, you're you're leaving the bait there longer, you're letting it soak, or you're repeating the cast, like you said, two, three, four, five, six times to the same spot to get that fish to trigger. So speed is a big deal in finesse and power also. Well, a lot of finesse fishing shallow all of my poles down, and I'm throwing different baits, I'm throwing different presentations, I'm trying, because you know you know it's there. It's just one of those spots where they're always on it. And every, we all know those spots. Yeah. But in some conditions, you go in there and it's tough and they're not biting, but you're almost better off getting that bite, spending an extra 10 minutes than flying down the bank and leaving it for the next guy to pull in and do it right and catch one. So a lot of that is situational. But, you know, it is important to understand that when you're power fishing, there's baits that work way, way better than others. You know, you've got your spinner bait, your lip bait, your top water, you know, things like that. And believe it or not, you can power fish with a jig too, even a flipping jig, because a lot of times you're going to bite it on the fall or the first couple times you stroke that thing and then you buzz it in and move on. So there, there's, but there's also baits that are not real good for it. The Carolina rig, for example, just the way in which you present that is not necessarily the best power fishing bait compared to something where you're chunking and winding and covering a lot of water. Yeah, yeah, because you, with that, that is a, a, a cover pattern that you use or uh, even, even on a, a current system where like uh, St. Lawrence River, uh, Carolina Rig can be great there because you're covering water and you're, you're getting uh, fish that are in deep water with fast currents and they're 
behind boulders or in front of boulders, depending on the current has them set up. But but that's it, it's almost more finesse than than power because you're you're kind of just dragging. Oh, 100 percent. And and, it, and we we should also add this is this is not just bass. I mean, no, crappie very no. much that way. And and for bass and crappie, um, I would also add if you get a big lake or a reservoir that is long. And, and Lake of the Ozarks, for example, or even the local reservoir I live on here in Iowa, uh, power fishing to me is jumping mile markers because what you'll notice is your water clarity absolutely changes. And generally speaking, on a big lake uh, or a reservoir, your clearer water is closer to the dam. And as you get up in towards the fingers, you know, 50, 60 miles up, it normally gets dirtier, shallower, narrower. Both can be great. But we don't know that until we try it. So a lot of times by power fishing, for me anyway, it's not just starting at the one mile marker and trying to fish to the 50 because it'd take me 10 years to get there. I might do the one, then the four, then the seven, and just fish some key areas and fire up the motor and run. And what you're going to notice is your water clarity usually is the biggest indicator. It, It gets more off color the more you go up. And sometimes that can be great. Sometimes it's not. But it depends on the conditions and the day and how the fish are biting and where the shad are and all those things. And then also in power fishing, always, always, always look for bait. As you're jumping around and moving around, even if you're not getting bit, if you see masses of bait blowing into points and stuff, spend a little more time there because then it can be you presenting something the wrong, you know, the wrong way or the wrong the wrong lure or bait or whatever. And, and sometimes when you find that, you might want to spend a little more time there. Always great information from Dan Johnson. It always gets me thinking. I know it gets you thinking also, Dan. And uh, glad we get to do this segment and look forward to talking to you again next week. Hey, Dave. Always my pleasure. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. This segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is always brought to you by Syncroy, the best rods on earth. We will be right back after these messages. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is Sunline. My favorite lines to use is Sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. Daiwa, MagForce Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MagForce Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix.
Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has a passion for the outdoors. He has a passion of writing about it and telling about people's experiences and his own experiences. He has been on before. He is Dale Bowman from the Sun-Times. How you doing, Dale? I'm doing well. It's the holiday season and families are gathering and oh, the weather could probably be a little colder, but other than that, it's pretty good. We could use some, use some ice. The last time we had you on, you said you were a newspaper man. And uh, I like that. That's good because uh, how many more years till somebody is not going to be able to say that's their job description? <laughs> I, I hate to admit, but uh, yeah, there's truth in that. <laughs> so, Unfortunately. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to make a guess on that. <laughs> but we're in the Midwest. People think, okay, Chicago, Chicago sometimes, but we have so many opportunities where we're at within two or three hours you expand that to four or five hours and but two or three hours you can make the mississippi you can go into wisconsin you got lake michigan you've got um, the fox river channel lakes you've got kishwaukee you can go uh Chabonau. there's just so many places here there's a lot more outdoor activity in the chicago area and suburbs and surrounding area than people would think absolutely uh, i couldn't have said it better myself yeah, it, it, it's pretty crazy. I, you know, I have a tackle in the Northwest suburb, a tackle store and outdoor store. And, and the amount of people that come through the door that participate, and they're not traveling somewhere. They're doing it right here. There's a lot of ponds, a lot of streams, a lot of, of, of lakes and the, uh, rivers, and it, it, a lot of opportunities here. Yes, I mean, Lake and McHenry, for those who are not familiar, are really very special places when it comes to especially water watery sports uh, I it's just special even for Illinois and the Chicago area absolutely absolutely so uh, any highlights from 2023 that stick out in your mind you know let's forget about the the uh, the fact that we had elk in Illinois and bear in Illinois and mountain lions and I think uh, a couple of those uh, only one elk but I think a couple of bear were on the border and the mountain lions I mean yeah. pretty crazy stuff for suburbs yeah it has been uh, in fact I was I was going to leave with the elk because, I mean, that's a big deal. It's been almost 200 years since we had a wild one. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the key there is wild. There have been escapees over the years. but So I don't know. And I don't, I don't think that's going – I don't think they're going to set up residency here. I think if you're looking for one of the the big ones to set up residency, it would be uh, black bears. I, I would not be surprised to see a black bear – Den in Illinois in my lifetime. Uh, that, but the other ones, I just don't see them establishing here. No, no, especially northern Illinois, northwest yeah. Illinois, along the Mississippi River. There's habitat for them there. There's the food sources for them there, and and um, they're they're probably there right now. And they certainly could be. I mean, that's it's. And I know the reports come of a lot of different stuff. That's always entertaining, but. Uh, you get enough of confirmed reports. There's things here. I mean, it still amazes me. The first, the first of the big, what I would call the big three carnivores, uh, came in in 2000. So what's that? 23 years ago. Yeah. When a mountain lion was killed in southern Illinois, and since then there's just been a smattering, you know, con a confirmed reports and lots of reports that 
you think might be true, but nobody can confirm them, you know, with tracks or camera or that stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's for sure. And the fishing in the uh, Chicago suburbs is pretty phenomenal, too. You got the uh, Kankakee River, the Fox River, both good for smallmouth catfish. Uh, so many things uh, to do there. Fox Trainer Lakes, Class A musky waters. Uh, so many small lakes around here that have... Uh, largemouth in them, and uh, Lake Michigan with the salmon, the perch, and the smallmouth fishery continues to get better on the lakefront, doesn't it? Yes, it does. One of the anomalies this year, and it's and it's jarring that it sticks out, we have not had a single state record fish caught hook and line. And I don't, I honestly can't remember the last time that happened. And now, obviously, we have one one week to go yet, but <laughs> uh, so there's a chance somebody could get a bourbon on Lake Michigan. That would be the one thing I would think would might be possible. But otherwise, I mean that's that's unusual. And just that indicates, you know, that we keep escalating our state records or or lifting lifting them up, I guess might be a better way of putting it. Is indicates what what kind of fisheries we've been developing over the years so yeah the dnr has done a great job with our with our fisheries and our wildlife i believe and um you'll get people that will argue oh it used to be better but i don't think so i think the oh, fox, no. fox no, chain that, of lakes better than ever it's i mean there's quantifiable ways to refute that i mean that's just i state records is just one way the the quality of fish and the other way is um that you could go back through the records and the quality of the water and the streams and lakes is just i mean it, there's no comparison to what it was 50 years ago you just said it quality of water we've, yeah. we've uh they've done a good job of of uh, curbing uh pollution and and an awareness of the public knowing uh to take care of the outdoors because it's all we got you can't once it's gone we lose it and before i forget um and our time's up there's one other significant change this year. Illinois is a flatland state. I assume most everybody knows that. It, it, but um, and so we've primarily been a um, a slug deer hunt, uh, and that changed this year. Yep. Where uh, certain rifles were allowed, uh, center fire rifles were allowed. I did not think it was going to be that big of an impact, but the numbers came out. And it was almost twenty percent during the firearm season which stunned me i did not think it would be anywhere near that high i didn't either and it, okay i i was actually wanted to ask what get your what you thought of it were you surprised that it was about twice what i thought i thought maybe one out of ten yep. and that's exactly what i thought dave yeah yeah no it's good Hey Dale, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a question that I don't know if you'll have an answer for or not. But if Dale Bowman would not have been a newspaper man, what would you have done with your life? Um, let me throw one back to you before I answer. Um, would have I stayed at home or would have I gone to college? Ah, see that that we have in co common. I have a high school diploma. I don't have any college. I I followed my dream of opening up a tackle store. Yes. So I I guess I guess uh, if you would have went, maybe both. Okay, if I had if I had not went off to college, I would have been uh, a landscaper or a greenhouse person. I okay. would have been either managing one or or uh, uh, have my own. There I, you go. That I enjoyed that work when I was in high school and college and uh and i was offered 
you know, fairly young uh, to manage a greenhouse. I enjoy that work. I, I, I'm a gardening sort of guy. There you go. And that's something outdoors and something you can enjoy wildlife yes, while you're absolutely. doing it. But so, And then if I had gone on to college and not uh, ended up in newspapers, I probably would have been social work. I know that seems like quite a range, but that's... I've done some of that over the years. So, there, but there you go. Well, I think you do it every week when you write to the sportsmen. You're you're giving them advice and you're uh, you're making them feel better about where to go on the weekend when they're off of work. And isn't that social work? Ah, see, I like that. Yes, and that and you described pretty well what I what I think was one of the more important things that I should be doing, and that attending to people's ability to get away and and. And have some time out, I guess. Time out, time and away. And we all we all need that. And it won't be the last time that I have you on, Dale. And uh, uh, truly appreciate you taking time to talk to me and uh, uh, enjoy reading what you write. Uh, thanks for what you do for the outdoor community. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Dale Bowman. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment's always brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate Backlashes, Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. My next guest has been on quite a few times. The first time he was on, I we were talking off air. I believe he was 14 years old. And now he is almost 19 and going to uh, be fishing the elites, the Bassmaster elites. Welcome back, Trey McKinney. What's going on, buddy? Am I correct? You're almost 19. Is that February you turned 19? Yes, sir. Yeah. Pretty crazy. You you had a, quite a ride. We had you on a few times during your, your journey with the uh, qualifying for the elites. And has it all really sunk in up at this point now? It is happening, isn't it? Yes, sir, it, it is. You know, it's uh, you really get to realize it when you're trying to get everything finalized. And it's kind of, you know, it kind of gets into a little bit of a rush. It looks like you got quite a while to get it done. But really, it's it's a short amount of time when it's a grand scheme of things. So 
uh, just trying to get everything prepped up, ready, trying to get to figure out what the boat wrap's going to look like, um, you know, just it does plus you have to figure out what hotels or or uh, motels or or uh, bed and breakfasts whatever you're going to stay at you have to have somebody someone there uh, you got to have a facility that you can plug the boat in it's going to charge you're going to be ready i mean there, there's more to this uh, than people think where you're going to get gas where you're going to eat are you going to cook for yourself some meals how, how it's all going to play out going on the road and doing uh, you know more than one or two or three tournaments is is a, a task yes sir well you're absolutely you've done it before and you qualified and the first one's coming up is that start in february uh yes sir actually the if I make it to championship Sunday or Saturday, whichever one of the last days, it'll be my the day of my birthday. There you go. There you're going to give yourself a birthday present, uh, present hopefully, and um, yeah, I hope so too. Is there a different approach to this? I mean, you you look at the schedule, you see uh, the names on there, you know where people are from, and you know who you're fishing against. Uh, is it a different approach or mindset at this level for you at this point? You know, that's, it, it's one of the things, because, I mean, in, in the Opens, you have your local pros, uh, just regular season pros, and you have your guys trying to make it. I mean, everybody's trying to make it to the elite sufficient on nine, but, I mean, you have guys at everything. You have locals, and you have regular, just genuine pros, good angler around the world. But, um, you know, I'm going to try to keep the same mindset, really. I mean, I am fishing again. I mean, I'm stepping into a new food chain, you know. These, these guys, I mean, that's every year that's what they got to do. They fish for a true living, you know, and right. um, I'm trying to, you know, just keep it the same mindset. Uh, basically, it's me versus five bass every day. If, if I worry about that, I think I'll do all right. If I start worrying about Gerald Swindle, Brandon Polnick and all that, I feel like I might stump myself a little bit. So I feel like every one of us out there, we're all trying to do the same thing. So I think uh, more of a simpler mindset of just going out there, figuring them out and doing what we love is, is going to get me a lot farther than really dwelling on something. I am so glad to hear you say that because when it comes down to it, it's not you against any other player out there or fisherman out there. It is you against the bass, and that's what got you there. And, and I, I truly believe if you keep that mindset, that will help you tremendously. Uh, and, uh, you know, have, having a ball doing it. How is it going to be? Because you won't have a, a co-angler behind you in this, will you? Uh, no, sir. And actually, that will help a ton, you know. Uh, I've had, and not saying I had a bunch of great co-anglers, you know, but it, that, in general, changes your mindset of how you fish. When I got to play defense for the, from the back of the boat and make sure that guy don't cast at this stick before I do all day long, that's, it gets stressful. I mean, it gets, it gets old, it gets stressful. Um, it, I mean, a, a, it's a lot, of, a lot of stress on something you, should, you don't have to worry about, you know. So um, it's a lot of times where I've had them, and I've had the the wind blow wrong one time, swings the boat around, and he catches like a three and a half pounder, and that would have caught that would have gave me what five to fifteen more places, or maybe forty places. You know, it just depends on the tournament. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely huge for me. Yeah, you can fish as slow as you want. You can fish as meticulous. You can go past something and fish it in a different direction if the wind or the current or whatever uh, the conditions are so that you, you're you going to be, it's just going to be you against the bass. Um, 
even more so without a co-angler. I, I, I think that's, that's going to help you uh, a ton. Are you, um, are you getting some new sponsors? I know you have quite a list already, but are, you, are there some new ones that you're talking with or have uh, uh, acquired already? Well, actually, I just signed with Basket um, this year. It's it's definitely a different switch, um, um, business decision. There's nothing, no hard feelings between anybody and me, and, and yeah. everybody knows that on that side of things. And I love Joe from Charger. I mean, we'll always be buddies. We'll always call each other. Always talk to each other. It's nothing like that, you know. It's it's a lot of things. Sometimes every time. You don't have to burn a bridge to switch, and that's what I've learned. And that's what I, I, that's, I'll never try to do, if possible. And, and that's what uh, I think we've had some good feelings on it. And uh, next year I'm going to be running a Puma from uh, Bass Cat. And, a, and uh, I think as of right now, I have not decided 100% on the motor, but uh, you guys will know shortly on that part of it. So uh, we got some other few other things in the works, but trying to find me a, you know, a big title sponsor outside of the fishing industry right now. Um, that would really kind of put that base on everything, you know. That's what uh, a lot of people need right now, and that's a, what I really need is just kind of more of a base, a title sponsor right now. So that's what we're kind of looking for, and hopefully we can get it before uh, next season starts. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, it is important. A lot of uh, of the pros are seeking non-endemic uh, sponsors and somebody that's uh, – looking for just the visibility, not the fishing, because the fishing world is really quite small, and there's a lot of guys trying to cut that pie up. Absolutely, and it does, you know. I mean, there's only, and now the pie is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because everybody's the same company. Everybody, I mean, it's just everybody, every big company, you know, if you realize it, they have everything you need. So if you get one sponsor, you get seven other brands with that. So it kind of, it kind of, can't handicaps you in a way from getting a, a lot of different pieces from a pie or a lot of different areas to be covered from different heads i guess instead of dealing with one person you're dealing with a bunch of times so if that one person gets upset you still have everybody else but it's kind of cutting back on that happening more and more every year so it's it's, it's definitely tougher yeah so now now you're having to concentrate at this level on the business of bass fishing yes sir i mean it's uh, catching a bass is huge, but making a living is, is something that's even, and I hate to say it, but I mean, we've been very blessed and it's awesome when you can, when you can win, do great, catch bass. And I, I want to say I can just focus on that, but it is, it's, it's, it gets very expensive and uh, you have to cover it before you can do it. You know, I, I'm, my goal is, is never to be worried about cutting a check. You know, I want to have everything covered. I want to just, when I go out there, I can make some unnecessary risks. They can either play big, and I might hit big, or I might not. You know, sometimes that's that's the chances you have to do to win is taking a little bit different risks that you might normally take if you're in a tight spot. Excellent, uh, good good answer. And I'm going to take a quick break for some of my sponsors here. And right after that, we're going to come back with some more Trey McKinney. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. We will be right back after these messages. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of bait. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. 
Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Daiwa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate Backlashes, Daiwa. We are back with more Wheat Fish ASA podcast brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Welcome back, Trey McKinney. What's going on, Bob? You know, I, I liked what you said here on the, the, the first uh, uh, segment here, and you were talking about how you're approaching it and what you're doing. And, um, you were talking about going to Bass Cat, and and off the air we had talked a little bit that um, you, you know you're approaching the business side of the fishing world. You're you're going to try to make a living at it, so everything you do now is going to be a business decision. And uh, you know you you're finishing up. You just finished up high school, right? Uh, yes, sir. So so you don't have any college yet, right? But you're going to get a college degree in business by by handling all these things and doing contracts with companies and marketing and negotiating and all of that. Is there a little bit of excitement to actually seeing that this quite possibly could become your career at this point? Absolutely. You know, I mean, when you're when I'm this far into it now, it's uh, it's almost kind of that dreams kind of coming more and more true. You know, just kind of. Basically, when I go into it, there's so much to learn in it. You know, there's, like I said, the business aspect of it. And it would be great if I if I had a business degree. But like I said, I just got out of high school and, and everything else like that. And my dad's a business owner and my mom. Um, we own a Western store here in Marion, Illinois. So if, if they can just kind of take me underneath their wing and just kind of teach me more about the business, then I can apply it to maybe the fishing industry and how I work things and how I word things and, and write contracts, do it, do it however is the smartest way hopefully i can learn and, and make it more of a, a, a lifestyle you know more of a, how i'm going to make my living from here on out would be uh it'd be pretty awesome yes absolutely how many elites are there 103 i think no how many how many tournaments oh nine nine tournaments. okay are you gonna fit in and make time for anything else in there um probably not I, it's one of those things where when I see that schedule, that's all I that's all I have to live for. You know, I have those nine tournaments or those nine the, the nine tournaments. You know, yeah. that's a that's the only thing I care care about that has season of twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean that is that is it is is those nine tournaments, and that's what I'm gonna focus on. Yeah, and that and nine is a lot. I see these other some of these anglers that will do both circuits and do uh, opens and do Toyota series, and some of them drop down to BFLs. And uh, but boy, that's that's a lot of time to be on the water. Oh, yes, sir. I found that out this year with, you think nine tournaments, man, that ain't, that ain't very much, nine times on the water, but let me tell you, it, because uh, nine times turns into 18 with practice, and then times that again for pre-practice, you know, and every time you're there, you're there for more than usually four or five days apiece for pre-practice, so pretty well, it, it packs your year way tighter than what you would think, 
Um, so it is, it's definitely one of them things where you think it's, it's pretty short and then all of a sudden you get to look at it and heck, I don't even have time to go fish other tournaments, you know, for how much time I'm going to spend on, on these tournaments, just trying to figure out where they live, where the population of bass is on these lakes. Um, because I've never been to them, you know, I've been to the lakes that we've been to this year, but that's it. I've never been to any of the other lakes. How many, how many of these lakes are going to be first time for you? Um, uh, everyone except St. Lawrence. Toledo Bend and Wheeler. Okay. All right. So yeah, so you got six that you're you're going green and you're going to figure it out and in some ways I think that's not a bad thing, is it? Because the guy that that wins these things is the person that figures out what's going on that week and those specific days. And and the guy that has a history tends to maybe not fish as open and as free and uh, objectively they're gonna they're gonna use some of the stuff they have in their brain, and you're not gonna have that. Absolutely, it goes both ways, you know. I mean, what's pretty nice is is all, most of these guys, um, not, not most of these guys, but the older guys, whatever, that's been to these lakes before, you know, they have. I mean, like at home, like I can say, I can go fish three or four places and tell you what they're doing, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's the same type of thing with them. I mean, they can they can eliminate a lot of water in one day of practice when I'm you know, just fresh out of the cage. I'm like, all right, what do I need to do? Does these fish get deep here? I, I think so. Does these fish get shallow? You know, there's a lot of new factors, but when you've seen it, done it, you know, you can kind of just run around. You can kind of do three or four things. You're like, all right, they're not doing that. Let's write that off. And then all of a sudden there's like, okay, there's two more main patterns. Let's give them a shot. And all of a sudden you'll hit something and you'll be like, all right, I got it. And then you'll just kind of expand on it. So it goes both ways, but I have done really good just coming in green because you come in with an open mind and you try stuff not normally everybody else tries. Yep. Are you excited about any of those six that you've never been to? I know you're excited about all of them, but is one of them kind of intriguing to you that maybe over the years you've watched tournaments uh, being fished there or you you've, you've just kind of have an idea that that would fit into my style? You know what? It's, it's so different. Um, I really don't because this year I found out I really don't know what my style is. You know, <laughs> I love it all. I, I'm, I, I'm, I love active target and I love shallow water fishing, you know. And every tournament I go into thinking I'm going to do what I love, all of a sudden I find a new pattern that I didn't even know about, had never done, and all of a sudden I like that more than anything else. You know, every tournament I open something else in the rule book, and, and I like to keep it that way, keep it fresh. And it's kind of crazy, the lakes that I don't think I do any good at or the lakes I don't even know anything about, I end up doing good, and the ones I'm excited about, I don't do anything at all, you know. So, um, But Toledo and Lake Fork is, is a pretty cool place, just so I can catch a big one, you know. There's always that possibility you can catch that 10-L-B down there, and, and that, that, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool just to be at a lake that you have that opportunity, you know. So it's uh, I, I feel, I'm excited for those. Um, I'm definitely nervous about them because it's a little different. I've never really done done that type of fishing like at all. You know, uh, we just don't have that here. Standing timber, early springtime, um, on that on that real real pre spawn, or kind of it just depends on the winter. You know, we have so it's that that one's definitely those two are going to be really interesting for me. Yeah, yeah, and that, that it's going to be fun, and it won't be too long, and you'll be you'll be practicing. How many days of practice do you get for these? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, and then the pre practice. How how far ahead is the cutoff that you can't fish them? I think it's a month. Okay. And that's a big difference on a body of water. Oh, absolutely. But it, but pre-practice, 
do you do more of you go look at things, look at how to run the water, what what type of cover is there, that type of thing? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, more or less. I, I ride around. I want to know how to get everywhere in the lake um, that I need to know where to get to or how to run, like Toledo Bend Lake, Fork, all them stumps and timber. Um, just where, however I can navigate around the lake and find out where the highest populations of fish are. Just kind of and find areas I kind of like, you know, f- try to find those brush piles that I feel like that'll be in that right range. Try to find those those right points, creek channel swings, you know, just kind of have like a game plan. Not a, and, and I hate to say not have a game plan on there, but have enough stuff where if I do find something working, I have five or six more of those spots, you know. So yeah, that's no- kind of my game plan on, on the pre-practicing. Yeah, and that's I think a good plan. And you got a handful of you guys that are are. Uh, uh, younger men that are qualified, and uh, uh, probably all of you guys have had to have a couple of conversations about, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try to prove ourselves because we're we're going up against uh, some of the best guys in the world. Absolutely. No, you got you got a good future in front of you. I know this won't be the last time that I'm talking to you, and uh, looking forward to following you for the 2024 season. And uh, as always, Trey, wish you nothing but uh, the best. Uh, on the trail. All righty, well, thank you, buddy. You guys have a wonderful day, and thanks for listening. Oh, no problem. That was Trey McKinney. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. I would like to thank my sponsors. Thank you, Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Thanks to St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And also thank you to Daiwa. They've got your bass covered. Dan Johnston talked about finesse versus power fishing. Dale Bowman bringing us up to date on what happens in the Chicagoland market when in the outdoors. Great job, Dale. Thank you. And you just heard from Trey McKinney, 2024 Bassmaster Elites. He is going to be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast next week. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it.